Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedTech Talk podcast. This is your host, Tom Salemi. Thanks for joining us. I hope you joined us last week at the MedTech conference in Minneapolis. If you did, I'm sure you had a great time. We're hearing great reviews uh, from our attendees. We just sent out a survey. Uh, if you are an attendee uh, and you see the sur- survey uh, link in your inbox, please just take literally three minutes, fill it out, let us know what you thought, send it back so we can make next year's event even better. Uh, one of the reasons the event was so great was uh, Jeff Martha. Uh, Jeff opened up the uh, the panel, or excuse me, the conference. Uh, he was interviewed by uh, Stacey Enzing Seng, who is going to be our co-chair next year. Very excited to say. And uh, he and Stacey had a great conversation just about how Medtronic views MedTech. Uh, within that, we talked a lot about transforming healthcare, or rather Jeff did, and uh, also talked a bit about uh, how Medtronic looks at acquisitions. And this seemed uh, uh, particularly timely. So I'm including that element of the uh, conversation in this week's podcast because, of course, Medtronic uh, made an interesting deal to buy responsive orthopedics, uh, which is not an area that Medtronic has moved in in the past, the uh, the large joint area. And uh, responsive has really taken sort of uh, the uh, the approach to lower the cost of uh, of these implants and to, uh, again, bring value to this area. And that was something that Jeff talked about a lot. So uh, it's a very interesting play. It's it's an area that many other uh, large joint companies have tried to, to play in to really make uh, large joint implants uh, something that they can charge less for. Uh, Wright had tried that several times. A few others have tried so-called uh, generic uh, attempts at uh, large joints. So this is sort of a, a play in that in that neighborhood. So Medtronic obviously has the contacts; it has the name. So it's going to be a very very interesting deal to watch. So I thought this would be a good time to share Jeff's thoughts about Medtronic's acquisition strategy, and then uh, and then after that we can uh, actually just play. Uh, an interview I did with Jeff uh, after his conversation with Stacey Enzing Seng. So we've got a lot of Jeff Martha for you. First, let's uh, let's hear about uh, let's hear what he told Stacey when asked uh, how Medtronic views acquisitions. And you know, as part of that transformation, you've continued to support acquisition. Over the last just 12 months, there's been actually 14 acquisitions that have been made uh, for a total of $1.5 billion. So what are you looking for? What do companies need to demonstrate? Where are kind of call it your cylinders that you're trying to fill between therapy, services? What are you asking of the companies that you're looking to acquire to demonstrate? Well, I mean, sure. I, first, to understand kind of how we're looking at uh, our, our innovation and our strategy, there's the traditional, like I call therapy innovation, where it's technology and clinical and your, uh, you know, whether it's a PMA or a 510K, you, you've got a, a product that, that uh, historically has demonstrated some clinical differentiation. Um, on top of that now, more recently, we're looking for uh, products that also drive down costs in the healthcare system. Then the second piece on top of that is we're, we're building a portfolio of services that work with our products. So we call them wraparound services or standalone services, but they're services that work with our products. Examples would be 
uh, you know, a, tw a local company we bought, uh, I guess it's been three years now, uh, Cardiocom. We've, we've changed the name to Medtronic Care Management Services, but it's a patient management uh, platform uh, that for post-acute uh, and right, does a lot of the, the post-acute patient management for the VA. Uh, we bought a company in uh, Italy called NGC, which helps design and manage cath labs. Again, these are two examples, and these companies, um, I think just yesterday we announced, uh, you know, or recently announced a, a deal where we bought a, a company, the obesity clinics in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. diabetes clinics in the Netherlands as well a, few, a year ago. So these are services that are in the clinical areas that we participate and have a tie-in with the technology that we sell. So you have the services, and then the, and these things go together, and we think the services help enable a better outcome, and we're defining the outcome as a clinical outcome and or a cost outcome. And then the thing that we're working on now is the combination of those two things and finally taking it to the next uh, step is, is risk-sharing, um, uh, you know, risk-sharing agreements with providers and payers. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a whole lot of innovation that, that needs to be done to be able to do that because CEOs talk about it. I've been in numerous conversations where uh, you know, Omar will be there uh, uh, with a hospital CEO or a payer, CEO of a big payer. We're like, hey, risk sharing, you know, it sounds great. And then we break and and, and, and the, the guys, the next level down or two levels down are sitting around the table. We have no idea what to do next. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so so those are the three things, therapy innovation, uh, services, and, and, you know, payment models. And so we're looking for deals that are both in that traditional uh, therapy space that are helping from a clinical perspective and or cost perspective, as well as services that uh, also uh, work with our technologies to, to help enable a better outcome, whether it be uh, cost or clinical or even just in-hospital efficiency type things. Mm -hmm. So that's gen generally what we're, what we're looking for today. So we've definitely expanded from over the last five years from just clinical like products that, uh, that are focused on clinical outcomes to products that are focused on clinical plus cost to now services that work with our products that either enable a better outcome or lower the cost of care or provide efficiency in our hospitals. So we've definitely expanded what we're looking for from an from a acquisition standpoint. Mm. Great. That, I mean, it just it tells a lot about how Medtronic is looking to do deals, what kind of companies it's looking for. What uh, what elements it's hoping to incorporate into Medtronic's strategy? So, I hope uh, I hope that informs a bit. If you're a company that uh, wants to talk with Medtronic, or a VC investor that wants to talk with Medtronic, that should give you uh, some great insight. Next, uh, I want to uh, play an interview I did with Jeff after his conversation with Stacy and. Uh, to be honest, I only planned to speak with him for four or five minutes, but he's a he's a really uh, great guy and very interesting to talk to. And very interesting. So this uh, this talk went in a, went on a little longer than I expected. But before we get into that conversation, I do want to remind you to go to uh, medtechconference.com or you can go to healthogy.com. That's uh, the word health followed by the letters e g y dot com. Healthogy is uh, is the sponsor and the organizer of the MedTech Conference. On either of those websites, you can sign up for the MedTech Talk newsletter. We send it out once a week. It includes uh, original reporting by our team of writers, including myself. Uh, it includes uh, this podcast, uh, obviously not just this one, but the ones we'll do in the future. But you can access this podcast and other pa past podcasts on MedTechConference.com. And 
most importantly, we'll be uh, pushing out uh, video content from the MedTech Conference. So go to medtechconference.com or healthogy.com, sign up for the MedTech Talk newsletter, and each week you'll get uh, you'll get little uh, video gems, these podcasts, and uh, written content, uh, all from our coverage of the MedTech industry. So now uh, this is going to be an interview again I did with Jeff. We're going to post this video up on the medtechconference.com uh, website very soon as well. In fact, it should be up uh, at this time, so go look for it if you'd rather watch it instead of hear it. But in this talk, uh, Jeff and I covered a lot of different areas. First, we talked a bit about what uh, what his group is uh, is responsible for. And uh, then we talked a bit about uh, the Medtronic's recent deal with Mazer, how it feels about robotics in general, and uh, a little bit more broadly about um, how, what are the difficulties Medtronic faces in trying to transform healthcare. So let's uh, get into this conversation. I was fortunate enough to have with with Jeff Martha at the MedTech Conference. Hi, this is Tom Salemi at Healthogy TV. I'm very happy to be joined by Jeff Martha. Now, Jeff, you are the, I need to look some these things sometimes. I know you are with, of course, Medtronic. It's why we have you here, but you're the executive vice president of the Restorative Therapies Group, which is actually, maybe you could give me a second. It, it actually consists of four different units within Medtronic. Can you give us a, a little... Uh, sure. Update us to what, what groups you're heading up. Sure. So the Stored of Therapies group is really our, our neurosciences business within Medtronic. So anything having to do with uh, the brain and the spine. Mm-hmm. So we have everything from um, uh, movement for movement disorders, deep brain stimulation for Parkinson's and other movement disorders, uh, to uh, stroke therapies, uh, spine therapies. Uh, so our big businesses are uh, neuromodulation-related, spine-related, uh, pain-related, and we also have uh, what we call surgical technologies business that is focused on uh, capital equipment, interop- you know, capital equipment imaging, navigation that are used interoperatively for spine procedures and DBS procedures. Oh, well, I referenced the cord stimulator in my opening today about right. cutting, and that was a Medtronic stimulator. So. Yeah, that was good. I'm glad to hear that. I was yeah, <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's wonderful just to read that you're actually changing this guy's life right. and, and, and relieving him of pain. I mean, the spine area is, is an area where Medtronic is, uh, has, you didn't cover this in your, in your conversation but you've made some movement here lately with a with a deal with uh with Mazer. is that yes. uh, is that something you can sort of give us a little background yeah, on sure. what so, you hope that'll bring to medtronic so one of our core strategies within our spine within our spine business is something we call surgical synergies which is using enabling technologies namely navigation imaging eventually robotics to drive better outcomes so whether it be a better clinical outcome for the patient, it's 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 safer, it's faster, what have you, or it's a uh, economic outcome. Like you can do the surgery, you can do more surgeries per day, so the cost per surgery goes down. Uh, and then on top of that, it, it's a better patient or a better physician experience, mm-hmm. uh, where it's just easier on their body. These orthopedic uh, physicians over time, their hands and you know their bodies wear down, and they get exposed to a lot of radiation. So if we can mitigate that uh, through these technology platforms, so we call that surgical synergy, uh, where you're introducing technology into the procedure and just making the procedure better. Now. We have, what we have to do is make uh, have clear outcome benefits. So it can't just be technology that the physicians like to use. It has to have clear outcomes for the patients. And, and we think uh, the combination of robotics, navigation, imaging uh, is going to be a big uh, differentiator as we move out in the future. So is this seen as a speculative acquisition on robotics, or is this a signal from Medtronic that, look, robotics is part of surgery it is part of healthcare it's no longer an emerging yeah, emerging technology it's the latter it, you know we we believe uh, first of all our um 
Legacy Covidian Group, which we now call Minimally Invasive Therapies Group. They've been uh, public that they have a, a big uh, robotics uh, program. Mm-hmm. They've been they've talked about having it. We just haven't exposed what it is. We're trying to figure and, that out. And uh, so it's a big investment, and and so uh, for the company, not just for the Minimally Invasive Therapies Group. And we also believe that it's not just uh, the type of surgeries that they cover, but also spine surgery. And what we like about Mazor is uh, they've got a first generation out there, and we're partnering with them on uh, on advancing that technology and, and integrating it into the workflow of, of the spine of spine surgery and eventually uh, you know you know integrating it with uh, the implants mm-hmm. um, and so uh, we're very excited about it and and uh, I would definitely take it as Medtronic making uh, investments in robotics uh, we think it's a uh, going to be a game changer as you go out in the future here. Fantastic. That's great to say. Talking about the conversation I had in with, uh, with Stacey Ensign and saying inside, uh, you talked about Medtronic's role in, uh, in transforming healthcare. And uh, you're working both, obviously, in established markets like, like the U.S. and Europe, but also in emerging markets. Where is the challenge greatest? Is it sort of rewriting or reworking what's already established in uh, in established countries and markets, or is it building something new in some of the emerging markets? That's a markets? that's a tough question to answer because the challenges are completely different. Sure, like in um, in the emerging markets, what we're finding is uh, you know our technology, our products, in most cases uh, for patients that are at, uh, underserved at the bottom of the economic pyramid, just, they just don't have the affordability. Our our products tend to be either too expensive. Or even if we gave them away for free, there just isn't – there's not enough infrastructure. Our products require infrastructure, cath mm-hmm. labs and things like that, imaging for interoperative imaging, things like that. And, and and these patients don't have access to that. So even if we gave away our products for free, there's still infrastructure. There's still physician training uh, that needs to happen, uh, patient awareness. So, you know, the innovation in emerging markets is is quite different uh, than maybe developed markets where, you know, people look for technology and, and clinical investments uh, to uh, either, you know, historically, incrementally, uh, you know, improve. Now, more recently, I think the, the incremental investment is, is kind of a thing of the past and you have to have more bigger game-changing uh, therapies. But in, in, in emerging markets, it's more about this whole ecosystem mm-hmm. and pulling together that ecosystem and using technology technology uh, to improve access and, and dramatically drive down costs. And so we've got the clinical, uh, we think we have the clinical expertise, we have the uh, technology expertise, we just have to apply it differently, focused on access and cost versus focusing on strictly on uh, clinical outcomes mm-hmm. and, and pulling together that whole ecosystem. And that's a new that's a new uh, form of innovation for us. Historically, we go, we can put a, an interesting technology into the healthcare system. The healthcare system, like in the U.S. or Europe, they know what to do with it. Right. Physicians will run with it. They'll build, they'll do clinical, will do clinical trials around it. There's a stated way to get reimbursement, uh, and that's all established in countries like India. None of that's established. And we have to do way more of that uh, on our own, uh, partnered with you know government and, and hospitals. And so that's a whole new form of innovation. Shifting to developed markets. Uh, you know the the inertia is is the problem. Absolutely, the inertia is huge. Uh, you know, people are there's a just a general fear of of something new sometimes. And and when you talk about uh, going from volume based system to a value based system, the there's a lot of requirements that uh, you know need to be uh, fulfilled, like just data analytics mm-hmm. and and just new payment models that are risk based and partnerships. 
uh, I mentioned in the discussion, partnerships between payers and industry, governments and industry, you know, you know, all kinds of new partnerships where in the past it was more of a, I don't know, adversarial is the right word, but a zero-sum kind of game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Medtronic's law win is a payer's gain or, or vice versa. Medtronic's loss is a payer's gain. A payer's gain is Medtronic's loss. And it, we don't look at it that way anymore. We really feel that we need to partner with payers, partner with government, uh, and, and develop these new payment models. But it's it's hard. Uh, and and, and, you, and the physician is in the middle of this. So you have to you have to really – apply we believe technology plays a huge role so a company like medtronic working with physician working with the payer whether the payer be a private payer or cms in the united states and those three uh parties working together eventually more with the patient too Mm -hmm. um you know there's inertia uh to do that it's easier to stick to what's worked for 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 uh you know decades it's interesting i mean you mentioned the fear does it does it come more from the payers more from the providers more from the patients i would guess the payer is the one who's really kind of afraid of the the new change. Well, I don't in think the technology. patients are too. Uh, the patients are pretty much open to a lot of different things. Absolutely. but it's. I think. Look, we're all guilty. Uh, I, I think industry as well uh, of of that inertia. I don't know that one is 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 worse than the other. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody is um, a little bit afraid of what the new what volume based or value based care will bring. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's there's all kinds of you know. I hear you know. Will value based care kill? Innovation. Absolutely. Uh, we, we, I don't believe that for one minute. We view it as the way forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just got to be better at showing your value to the healthcare system, not just to uh, a hospital, but to the broader system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it depends on how you define value. It could be increased clinical value with a similar cost profile or a, a same clinical value at a lower cost, cost profile or both, you know, better clinical with lower cost. And when you break it down and you look at this and you break down, um, you know, kind of how healthcare is delivered, whether it's a, a intervention, like a, an intervention that's a, like a 90-day episode of care or versus a, a chronic where it's, you know, like diabetes, it's chronic mm-hmm. or, or heart failure. It's, you know, there's, it goes well beyond 90 days. It's perpetual, if you will. And, and really thinking about this, breaking it down into the granular parts uh, and understand how that care is delivered, and then understand how value can be generated, uh, and then really gearing your innovation uh, towards that. It's easier said than done, mm-hmm. uh, and it involves partnerships. Yeah, I don't think any one party can do it alone. Well, you mentioned diabetes in your arrangement with United Health, and I don't know if mm-hmm. this is something you can speak to, but mm-hmm. is, do, you, do you think that'll be kind of the first domino? We've seen that those sort of relationships in pharma, less in, in med tech. Do you see this partnership with you know, or United selecting you as a preferred? provider of the uh, of the pumps the being the first of its kind in medtech will we see other sort of relationships in other uh, chronic disease segments I, I believe you're going to see more of that. Yeah. I mean, if you talk to, uh, and I wasn't uh, directly involved in that. I don't run the diabetes group, sure. but but been involved with discussions with uh, United Health Group myself, with and 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 uh, aware of the, these conversations in diabetes. Both parties would say this is the right thing to do for both the patients mm-hmm. and the payers. And I know there's some people that may disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, one thing I've learned in in, in uh, dealing with United Health Group and other payers is they they genuinely care about their patients. I'm not sure, you know, just like we've always felt like we genuinely care about our patients, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure everybody out there really believes that. I think you got to kind of get under the covers and, and start to work with uh, uh, with these different stakeholders in the healthcare ecosystem. And what I found in doing this is, look, these are just these are people. 
You know, and, and these people are often patients themselves or have relatives that are patients. And, and I, I think people want to do what's right for the healthcare system. And, and uh, it's amazing the opportunities that we're uncovering as we talk to different payers and we talk to different providers at a different level. It's not your traditional uh, Medtronic sales rep talking to the physician, which is the foundation of our relationship, uh, always has been. And, and as we go out in the future, that is still a foundational relationship that we hold sacred and have to preserve. But we're building relationships on top of that um, or alongside that with uh, the, the, the C-suite of a hospital or the CEO, the C-suite of a payer, and talking about what we can do together for, for, for the healthcare system, whether it be in the U.S. or in Europe mm-hmm. or wherever. And as those discussions much incented by the Affordable Care Act and, and the recognition that, you know, re- regardless of your political leaning uh, and what you think of that particular piece of legislation, the concept of moving from a value to from a volume-based plan to a value-based system, that train has left the station. That's bipartisan. It's just gravity, mm-hmm. right? It's just economics and gravity, and and it's just a question of how you do it. And uh, no one, none of the big players want to be left uh, behind on that. And so um, I'm seeing much more focus on this just in the last 12 months alone. And so I do think you're going to see more of these uh, industry payer rela- relationships and, and, and more complicated and, and uh, relationships as well involving uh, uh, hospitals as well, health systems. Right. And just final question. You mentioned uh, that you want to play big and play small. Medtronic. Right. What does that mean? How does that work for Medtronic? Well, look, we believe, well, in our heart, you know, we're a healthcare company that, that's uh, in our mission founded on uh, using bio, uh, you know, medical engineering to improve patients' lives, you know, alleviate pain, restore health, uh, and, and extend life. Um, and, and we don't see that changing. We think technology plays a huge role in value-based care, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and um, we we view this tech therapy innovation, which is technology-enabled, also clinically enabled, uh, is something that uh, we can't take our eye off the ball. And what you see in healthcare is you see there's relatively low barriers to entry to therapy innovation. There's a relatively healthy uh, venture capital community that funds uh, multiple companies that that invent a, a new widget and do a clinical trial and and try to show a differentiated outcome. There's relatively low barriers to entry, and it's a very uh, innovative field. And um, so we see these 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 very focused pure play companies that have a really great product uh, as very uh, very competitive, and they can. And if we don't uh, act as focused and as nimble as them. The found, our, our foundation of our company will, will, will crumble beneath us. So we view that as playing small, being a focused, nimble, innovative startup company. So breaking Medtronic down into its therapy segments and each therapy segment acting like a startup, that's playing small. But then we talked about value-based care. We think to really deliver value-based care, we've we got to bring our whole breadth of our company to the table. And, and, and that's playing big where, where we show up as Medtronic mm-hmm. and say we have this breadth of portfolio uh, of products and, and we have services and we're willing to put to go at risk and, and, and uh, with big systems and payers and put our balance sheet on the line and say, look, we'll, we'll uh, base our compensation on outcomes. And that's the breadth of Medtronic. And so we think the winning formula long term in terms of transforming healthcare is playing small and big at the same time. And that's that's not easy it's to not do. It's not easy to do at all. Yeah. Great. Well, we appreciate you sharing the story here today. Yeah, no, no, no problem. And uh, thanks for coming to the MedTech yeah, Conference. Thank you. Great. All right. 
Great. Well, I hope you enjoyed those uh, snippets from our conversations with Jeff Martha at the MedTech Conference. Uh, Jeff Martha, thank you for joining us at the MedTech Conference. It was so great to have Medtronic represented on the stage, and we hope you will uh, join us again next year. Uh, thank you to our sponsors for helping us uh, allow the MedTech Conference to happen. And uh, thank you, of course, to those who attended and for our MedTech Talk listeners who are joining us today. We, uh, I really do enjoy doing these podcasts. Uh, it's a great deal of fun for me to talk to the leaders in MedTech uh, one-on-one and to have those conversations brought to you directly. So thanks again to our MedTech Talk listeners. Uh, and uh, don't forget to tune in next week for another tale of innovation right here on MedTech Talk.